On today's episode of Survival Dispatch News, we're discussing the topic of getting home after an emergency. Hey guys, today's video is brought to you by Ruko Drones. This is the Gem 2, the second generation of this awesome drone. You know, drones are great products for surveillance, for security, for monitoring wildlife, for content creation, a lot of neat uses for this drone. It has great video quality, and as always, we'll have a link below so you can check out the Ruko Gem 2 drone. And we're back. Uh, Jason's joined us from Blue Ridge Mountains. Denny has uh, joined us from his top secret 2A hideout. And again, today's uh, discussion is around getting home after an emergency. Uh, if you've been following some of our recent content, Jason's done some videos and, and some community posts on the subject of getting home. Uh, so I'll turn it over to you, Jason, and let's go. All right. I got, I got some crazy roosters in the background right now, so sorry for the audio. Uh, <laughs> I might have to take a take five and chase them off here in a minute. <laughs> but it, it seems like as soon as I start the camera, they uh they come, they flock to it like like a magnet. It's ridiculous. But anyway, at home scenarios, there's I kind of think I break it up into three categories. Um uh one of them's the normal mundane broke down on the side of the road, perhaps in a desolate area. Um, and you've got to figure out how to either solve the problem with your vehicle, perhaps, um, and then and get out of there that in that fashion, or you've got to walk out to go get help in some other way or signal or, or, or whatever. Second scenario is, let's say you're a little bit further from home. Let's say you're at work and you're, you've got a 20-minute commute, you know, a typical commute to work. Uh, the Whatever happens, the EMP happens, power's out, you're car's got four flat tires whatever and you've got to get your way from wherever you are to home a, a fairly good distance um and then the third one which is the most sexy and the people that like to talk about people like to talk about the most is let's say you're cross country you're you're way across country you're a long ways away on a vacation perhaps you don't even have your vehicle you flew there and now suddenly crap hits the fan and you've got to find a way home in that situation so that's that's the much more extreme situation much less likely but much more um the, the one that people like to talk about the most and i'd say we just kind of dive into them one at a time and let's talk about the first one most likely you're you're broke down somewhere on a backcountry road you were going you know four-wheeling you were going uh camping whatever it is and then now suddenly you've got to uh uh you've got a problem and how do we solve it Okay, so um, I would probably add to that, even if you're not broken down, um, if you're off the grid completely and you get twisted around, you know, as we were discussing off camera of when I drove my truck from, you know, bought it in Kentucky, drove it to our cabin in the Blue Ridge Mountains before driving it back here to Florida. When I got off the grid nighttime, driving some roads not familiar with around the Tennessee River, man, i I was completely lost. If I didn't stumble across a person walking down a one lane dirt road to get me point around, Lord only knows where I would have ended up. Yeah, yeah. We're so, we're so dependent on technology, right, Chris? So you have no, you have no phone signal. Do you have maps in your, in your vehicle? I maybe, may, maybe, maybe not. Um, I'm old school kind of guy. I like to have maps I even carry a pocket calendar because <laughs> I'm losing my memory these days. But yeah, uh, old school stuff comes in handy. And a situation like that, 
uh, having a, a the old Rand McMal Rand McNally uh, maps that don't depend on technology really uh, can come in handy in that instance, right? Yeah, I mean yeah. technology fantastic. Don't get me wrong, I use it all the time. We use GPS. Same here. Yep. Almost daily. Um, but it does fail. And everyone has had an experience where GPS has, has gone wrong and it suddenly you're you've got to go back to the way we used to do it. Um <laughs> and it's uh, you know, and for some people that's that's overwhelming just in and of itself. It's just how do I get from A to B without this GPS telling me turn left here? Um, and that could be, you know, that could be a deal breaker for a lot of people. So just like you were saying, having a actual map a backup map is a is a huge thing a compass and just a road atlas not even like crazy detailed stuff just the, just the regular uh what yeah like you were saying the i forget what they're called but i've got one in my truck too the um yeah McNally. McNally. Yep. yeah i've got the same one in my truck because with that and a compass i can get my way i can go all the way across the country and back like i can That's find right. my way yeah, that's right. Another thing I want to bring up is, guys, is uh, this is in the back of my mind. It takes uh, if your vehicle's running, uh, you got to have fuel, and if you have access to fuel, you got to have money. And if the if the if the grid is down, if there's if there's if your vehicle's running, there's no electricity. How are you going to get fuel to keep traveling? Yeah. I mean, there's so many things to think about. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. A ton of variables. There's, I, I've read a few uh, articles. I can't speak to their veracity, but basically, uh, people thirty years and younger ish, uh, the vast majority don't know how to read a map. Um, mm -hmm. You know, they've strictly learned how to use, uh, you know, their GPSs and whatnot. So, not every state, but most states, every county road intersects a state road. Every state road intersects an interstate. So. If you can get to a county road, uh, there's some light at the end of the tunnel that you can potentially get yourself out of a mess uh, that yeah. way. Uh, the other thing I'd mention is, you know, these in-reach minis, Tyler's got one, I've got one. Um, so far, I've only had one experience where I couldn't connect to the satellite network, and I was really deep in a valley. Um, but for $11.95 a month, I think, is what we pay for the safety plan. Uh, well worth it. You know, you can, I, I think the number somewhere around 10,000 people have been saved now after pressing the SOS button, like legitimately saved, not lost and, you know, kind of pointed back, but people who had legit emergencies. Yeah. I've got that same unit that, that in reach mini, yeah. um, just to keep it activated and carry it with me pretty much all the time. I don't anymore. They, the only time I activate it is when, um, when I'm going to, I know I'm going to go to a very remote area and I, and there's a very good possibility that something could go wrong and I'll be on my own. So that's the only time I use that, but, um, but it is super handy. I have used that in reach many when there's been zero cell phone service and I could send a text message, mm -hmm. send a text message to my wife at home, letting her know that I was snowed in and there was no possible way I'm getting out. And, uh, just to let her know not to freak out. I mean, I'm, she knows that I'm going to be fine. I mean, I'm not going to die because of snow, but, but, right would be worried if I didn't show up that evening. So, so that's just another thing to think about is just a normal mundane. Like we're talking this, this first scenario is the normal mundane. You're broke down, you're stuck in a ditch somewhere, whatever it is, you've, you know, you've, you've crashed your motorcycle over the hillside <laughs> and you're hurt. And then you need someone to come get, get you out of this trouble. That's the get home scenario there. Maybe you just need yeah. a call for help. Yeah. I'd add that, uh, as you probably know, that I didn't realize you had one of these minis as well is that, um, as long as you have satellite 
uh, connectivity, you can pull down maps in close proximity to wherever you're at and through yeah. the smartphone app. So, you, you know, your smartphone's Bluetooth to the mini. Um, you request a map for that area, it downloads it over the satellite network, and you're good to go. I mean, we were um, on a boat a couple of weeks ago and came off of Lake George, headed all the way west over to uh, 19 south of Palatka, and we had no service or anything at all. But I used the mini to kind of capture some screenshots to see what our path was through there. And it was kind of cool that we had it being, we were quite a ways off the grid. I think we traveled somewhere around 15 miles on the water before we picked up a uh, phone signal again. I'm, I might have to take a quick break here. Oh, come here. <laughs> Sorry. <Well, I> pause. <laughs> I'm watching my niece. Come here. This is my niece, Autumn. Come here. Hi, Autumn. Say hi. <laughs> hi autumn she's got some boots on <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> you showing uncle jason how it's done <laughs> that's right can you go that's play funny. give me a few um, minutes I don't want... <laughs> oh in just a few minutes but you got to play right now okay i'll come play with you in just a few minutes okay all right later. have fun <laughs> <laughs> live tv yeah yeah don't stairs with those giant boots on um i'll let you pick up this let her give her a second to get get a little further down <laughs> okay you can see her trying to walk hold on i'll show you you can see her trying to these boots on ridiculous <laughs> oh jeez <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> oh god oh. Uh -oh. <laughs> okay. little country girls are tough <laughs> That's right. well she's not even a country girl she's a city girl she's up visiting oh for, for the okay. week right on. yeah she's not used to going barefoot otherwise she'd uh she would be my kids would definitely be barefoot that's fine <laughs> all right i'm gonna go run her down the stairs real quick time, time out Hey, Chris, so I, I just want to take this opportunity to, while uh, Jason's take care of business just to discuss quickly for our viewers who would maybe like to hear your opinion on um, a bug out bag versus a get home it bag. You know what I'm saying? What, what's your input on that? Well, I think the biggest determining factor is where do you work? So if, if you work 10 miles from home, 20 miles from home, that the bag should be built, keeping that in mind, what's your level of physical fitness? So how many miles could you realistically cover in a day? A number. So, and then the next thing is, is as a general rule of thumb, you, you know, your get home bag, your bug out bag, whatever should not weigh more than 20% of what you weigh. But even then, you know, that would be 40 pounds for you or me. That That's a pretty heavy backpack to be carrying. Yeah. Yeah. Then one of our, so as Jason and I developed this, uh, you know, survival insider trilogy, which is yep. going to be a big focal point. Um, I want to give credit where credit's due from everybody who's contributed stuff. Well, one of our, uh, you know, followers made a comment on one of Jason's posts or videos and said, um, haven't seen anybody suggest a folding bicycle. And huh. Man, you can get them for 120 bucks and fold it up and throw it in the back of your truck, lock it to the bed, throw it in your trunk of your car, whatever the case may be. And and 
the premise was awesome because he said you can cover a lot more ground on a bicycle a lot faster than you can hoofing her by foot. I, I thought point. I thought it was like a fantastic thing. So good that I copied it and put it into our note on the insider trilogy, because I'm going to bring that up. I think that's a great idea. So to answer your question, I think that everybody's, you know, get home bag needs to depend on how far do they have, they work from home. What's the environment? Is it urban or is it, you know, rural? Uh, What's their level of physical fitness? Um, So on and so forth. We are back after a brief interruption and we were talking about scenario number one, where we're broke down somewhere. We've we've gotten into a jam, and we've got to either find someone to get a, get us some help so we can get home, uh, or we've got to walk our way just to, to back to civilization somewhere where we can we can get some get some help. Um, another thing to talk about in that situation is just make sure. Let's say you are stuck over the hill somewhere. Your truck's stuck. It's a snowstorm. Whatever it is. Tra- traffic has stopped completely. No one's moving because the roads are frozen. Maybe you just need to have the right equipment with you so you can spend the night in your vehicle, you know, a sleeping bag inside your car. Like that's, that's super basic stuff. People have died in their vehicles freezing to death Recently. because a, a mm-hmm. basic, uh, something like a sleeping bag or a blanket or ex- just enough clothes. How many people do you know, leave their house in the winter time dressed like it's summer? You know what I mean? And they just have no- <laughs> They know they're going, they're in a heated car and they're going to a station. How many times have you seen that? All the time, right? All the time. Yeah. So anyway, so just basic stuff, having some basic tools with you so you can change your tire. How many people do you know don't even know how to change a tire? That's another crucial thing. Just life skills like that can get out of, uh, you know, what would be normally just a very mild inconvenience, right? It could turn into a survival situation, and it never should be if you just have some basic skills, basic tools, knowledge, things right. like that. Yeah. Right. Um, but anyway, so we'll transition into into the second phase, right? Let's say you're, let's say you're further from home. Let's do, let's paint. Let's let's pick a scenario. We're we're at work, twenty minute commute, right? Let's let's call it that. Twenty minute drive to work, which you know, let's say is ten to thirty miles away, somewhere in that ballpark, depending on traffic kind of deal. EMP happens cars don't work everybody's at your work freaked out and everyone's like i don't know what to do the first thing you should think about doing is getting home as fast as possible right just just leave where you are gather the supplies that you need out of your vehicle if it's not working for whatever reason and just start trucking home that's what the best advice i can get you because the calmest things will be is right there at the very beginning you have you have a little bit of a window of time before people start people start really freaking out Um, it all starts falling apart yeah people are going to freak out in the initial beginning as well but people aren't going to immediately start becoming cannibals that's not that's not going to be a thing immediately so you've got a little bit of time and let's say you're you know rooster in the background 20 minutes 20 miles from home you can walk that in a day a reasonably fit individual can just start walking and you can do that in about six seven eight hours and it's not even at a really really fast pace so just something to consider there thoughts yeah, well, uh, Denny and I were talking off camera uh, with regards to what people should have in their get home kit, you know, yeah. and, and I think the the scenario you painted is the most likely scenario where somebody's at work, there's some sort of event, and they've got to get home. So it's going to be predicated on things like you mentioned, how far away from home are you? What's your level of physical fitness? Um. Another consideration is what do you do about your kids? 
if they're in school, you know, so you have to make a detour to go and potentially rescue them as well. Um, where you live, what, what, you know, what the, the geography to, or topography, I should say, looks like all those sort of things. So you're right. You have this like initial window before people really figure out just how bad things are to try and cover the most ground. Because once people figure out something like an EMP strike or nuclear blast that was far enough away that we didn't immediately feel it or hear it, but we're affected by the EMP blast, um, all those things are going to, well, we know we've got comments from from people who follow the channel who've said, I'm not prepping, I'm not saving anything. I'm just going to take it away by gunpoint from other people. Yeah, that's that kind of stuff right there. Those those type of comments. That's uh, it, it. Angers me and it makes me sad for human for, for humanity. Um, because immediately uh, people's minds go to uh, raping and pillaging it, as soon as laws go away. Right. Mm-hmm. Just because the police aren't there to enforce the laws, they think that it's going to be. You know, it, it, the, one of the comments that was so ridiculous is like basically. They said something along the lines, if I see a guy hiking, you know, down the road with a backpack, big backpack on, that just makes he's an easy target. I'm going to take whatever he's got, you know, you know, murder is still murder, whether it's a law or not a law. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's wrong is wrong, no matter what. Yep. And, it, and it and those people either they're Internet tough guys and just talking a lot, you know, or there's and well, and there's legitimately crazy people out there that will do these types of things. But. I don't think that they'll come out immediately. I think we've got a little bit of time, a little bit of window. Yeah, that that initial window is your opportunity to cover the most possible ground. But let's just say for argument's sake that you're, you know, 40 miles for your commute to get home. You, you're not going to cover that in one day on foot. So right. you, you can cover that initial distance before the wheels really come off and total chaos erupts. But after that point in time, you have to start considering things as it, you know, would it make sense to be moving at night and not during the day, you know, under the cover of night? Uh, You know, there's multiple variables. So when Denny and I were discussing this, there's no one size fits all. I I think this is an example of Pareto's principle where if you, uh, you know, you digest some content from somebody who's a subject matter expert in, you know, survival, let's say. Um, they can get to 80% of the way there, but that other balance, that 20%, you got to kind of figure out based on your own circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. Every situation is going to be completely different and we can just like preparedness in general, you know, you can plan and prepare and, you know, analyze every possible event imaginable, but you're never going to know exactly what these situations are going to look like. You're never going to know how difficult this walk home is going to be until you're doing it. You know, right. um, how people are going to respond under these situations and let, until it's happened. You know what I mean? So, so all these things, I mean, and getting back to that, you know, talking about gear and like what you need, a lot of people just, they overthink it. Right. Let's say you're 20 miles from home or even 40 miles from home. What's the single one, number, mo- number one, most important piece of gear that you can have with you in that situation. And that's a good pair of shoes, <laughs> a couple pairs of socks and right. a good pair of shoes. <laughs> good point. That's pretty much it. Can you get water and can you walk yep. out your feet falling off? Yeah. I've said hydration, hydration. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. A lot of people don't, no one wants to talk about that because it's boring. Right. But uh, everybody yep. wants what kind of gun they need to have in their pack. Uh, yep. All well, you, you know, as much as, yeah, I mean, we, we're gun guys. We, I get it. Um, but that's not, 
that's not even close to the number one priority. You have a comfortable pair of shoes, broken boots, whatever it is, a couple pairs of socks, a way to stay hydrated. You can yep. walk miles without eating 100%. You can walk 20 yep. miles without anything. As long, even without water, I bet I could walk 20 miles. If I started without hydrated, I could probably walk 20 miles without a drink of water. It would be horrible. I might not feel very good the next day, but it's right. probably possible. It, it's probably doable. It's, it's yes. not going to be fun, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I'd add, um, I mean, you got some really interesting comments on your recent, uh, you know, videos and, and polls on the community uh, part of our YouTube channel. Uh, one of them, somebody made a, a really interesting comment. They said, you know, I haven't heard anybody else mention folding bicycles. And, you know, they're inexpensive. And you can throw it in your trunk, you, you, you know, lock it in the back of your, you know, truck bed, whatever the case may be. And you cover a lot of ground a lot faster. I, I thought that comment was so good that yeah. as we work on our insider uh, survival trilogy, which, you know, we've kind of hinted around, but, you know, we'll have it ready to go in the next couple months. That comment's going in the trilogy. That that's yeah. a, was, a, I feel that was a high value contribution uh, on the part of one of our yeah. viewers. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the bike thing is, is super keen. I've, I've done a couple of uh, get home such scenarios uh, in the past. When I, when I lived in California, I, uh, I was 28 miles from work. All right. So I had to drive 28 miles every day to get to work. Um, and in one scenario, I, I had a bicycle in the back of my truck. I drove to work and then I went to work. And then at the end of the day, I got my bicycle out of the back of my truck and I rode my bike home. All right. No problem. So easy. It was, uh, it was a nice ride. No big deal. 28 miles on a bicycle is not that big a deal. Um, and then, uh, a few months later I did the same thing, but I, I drove to work and then I ran home. That was miserable. <laughs> that, was, that was horrible. That's 28 miles on foot, and that was that was pretty bad in one push. Yeah, one broke, miles more than a marathon. Yeah, I I broke a bone on the top of my foot, a stress fracture. Uh, it was oh, I was wow. chafed. You know, I I didn't have a lot of blisters on my feet and things like that, but I was definitely not feeling good. I was I was in a bad place. Yeah, I saw another interesting comment on uh, you know one of your recent videos where. A uh, person said that once a year, uh, him and his friends, uh, starting Friday afternoon, would do a simulation of trying to get home over the course of the weekend with nothing but whatever they had in their vehicle. And that uh, they didn't utilize any electronics communication devices. They just considered that we're off the grid. We've had an EMP and we've got to survive this weekend and get home over the course of the weekend. And and. Uh, the person who made that comment said they learned a lot of lessons on stuff that they thought they needed that they didn't end up needing. And like you said, Jason, you can prepare all you want, but it's always the thing that happens that you don't have at your yeah. disposal, right? Or the, or the, you know, the weather's different, you know, like you've practiced this. Maybe, maybe even you're, you're one of the gung ho guys out there that's actually gone out and used your gear, which is so great, right? <laughs> but let's say, you know, you practiced in the summertime. And now it's winter time. That's a whole different thing. That's not not even close to the same scenario. So um, you can only prepare so much. <laughs> Be willing to endure the suck. That's that's some good advice. <laughs> I, I mean, there's there's an old adage that says practice the way you play. You know, yeah. So it's all about repetition. You know, yeah. whether it's athletics or something like this. So the the more repetitions you do for an activity, the better you get at it. 
And so if you just buy a bunch of gear and stuff it in your vehicle, I, that's better than doing nothing. Sure. Uh, but you haven't tested it. You probably haven't learned the skills to use those tools. I mean, our friend, uh, Dr. Michael Fabian had a, uh, subscription to one of these monthly, uh, you know, survival box companies. And he said the content was uh, like the, the tools themselves were really good quality and he really loved them and stuff, but they sat in the corner in his barn and collected dust and he didn't learn any tangible <laughs> skills. So he canceled his, his membership. So acquiring the tools is only the first step learning how to use them is imperative yeah it's a big deal but it requires time it requires a investment of time and energy right and a sacrifice of other things that you maybe want to do more um and unfortunately not everybody's willing to do that it fortunately for me it's what i like doing and it's like my mm -hmm. hobby um, so like, that's kind of great, but, but that's not the situation for everybody out there. So I can understand and sympathize with a lot of people, but there's, but there's still no excuse for, you know, the laziness and, and the unwillingness to learn the skills. And, you know, you, you, people are their own worst enemy in situations like that, where you're just unwilling to do what's needed. Yeah. And I would also like to add, uh, including your family members in that training and skill set. And I know you do that. Uh, Jason, but I, I don't know how many people think that I'm the man of the family. I, I'm going to take care of everybody, but I would highly encourage uh, everyone to get their wives and kids involved in these skill sets because something might happen to you. They might have to pick up the slack. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. I'd add another thing. I've noticed that there's been a pretty significant increase in companies offering some form of online training for survival and prepping stuff. Because as Jason said, you know, time is the most valuable commodity in the world. It's the only thing you can't buy, you can't replace. So while it's not ideal uh, to, you know, take some online training as opposed to tangibly doing it hands-on, it's still better than nothing. Like no knowledge is bad knowledge. And so we have some friends that are in the virtual reality world. The company name's Mode Meta. And uh, the, the head guy there um is a phenomenal guy uh he was the lead developer for call of duty um he served in the military he was an mma fighter um he is a really big believer in this sort of stuff they've signed up ej snyder you know from the you know uh, survivor tv show and they're going to be offering online training that's like either virtual reality or augmented reality in concert with ej snyder so it's still not as good as going to you know what was that event that you went to jason in northeast alabama where uh randall's randall's adventures se knives basically yeah yeah that, i mean that that's like the best thing that you could do but if people have responsibilities obligations and they just can't peel themselves away for something like that this you know virtual reality stuff is interesting you gain some knowledge um you don't gain the hands-on practical skills per se but it's better than nothing sure yeah um okay do we want to transition into the third phase the most fun phase that everyone likes to talk about right yep yep the hollywood third, phase. uh just to recap third third uh, adventure that we'll talk about is let's say you're really far from home you know a thousand miles or more whatever you know across country and let's say you drove there and the emp happens and now your your vehicle's useless all vehicles are useless you're you're driving down the interstate this is what i imagined in my mind if i was going to write a post-apocalyptic book this is what would happen you you're driving down the interstate right 
And then suddenly all the cars headlights go out at the same time and all cars just come to a stop. Right. So there's the scenario and you're a thousand miles from home. What do you do then? That's a big one. That one's tough. And if you've got your family with you, Chris, like you were talking about, and what do you do with that? Um, are you going to walk a thousand miles with your toddler? Is that going to happen? Is that a thing? Mm, I don't know. That's going to be, that's going to be really tough. I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm not saying it can't be done, but that's a tough scenario. And I think the number one thing that we should probably consider in a scenario like that is having a network of, of friends. Um, and that network of friends could be spread out across the country very easily. I've got friends in a lot of States heading all the way out to California. I've got friends in States that I could, that I could rely upon. And if I showed up, they'd probably give me a hand. So, and I know the naysayers out there are going to say, you know, yeah, your friend in this SHTF scenario situation won't be your friend anymore and they'll turn you away or whatever. So I get it, you know, maybe, but maybe not. I still believe I have to have faith and believe that there are good people out there that will do the right thing. Um, even when, when things have gotten really bad. And that makes me think about communication. You know, mm -hmm. how do you, how do you get in touch with those friends, you know, yeah. which we touched on. Yeah. And so like yeah. on the communication side, um, I keep uh, fully charged ham radios in a Faraday bag. So Smart. if everything went dead, everything electronic, that would be my go-to first thing is to pull it out and see if I could get any intelligence on what's happening. Excuse me. But I think uh, Jason's comment, as far as having a network is concerned, if you're hundreds or thousands of miles from home and we've had a nuclear strike an EMP, whatever this event is, the prospect of you getting home is pretty slim. And so having a network of like-minded individuals is imperative. Number one, number two, I think when you get into those types of scenarios, the Hollywood scenarios, as I mentioned earlier, it boils down to what do you bring to the table? So if you have Jason's level of skills, it, I think it would be highly unlikely that somebody would say, no, you, you can't be part of our group. But No, he's the kind of guy we want around. <laughs> exactly. For sure. It, it, the people who bring nothing to the table, um, from a survival perspective, sure. those are the people who are going to be an extra mouth to feed. They're going to get left out in the cold because scarcity of resources sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing I like to think about in this situation is is historical references. So, there have been people that have walked across this country uh, for the most part. They, they used boats, but their their names were Lewis and Clark, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. They traveled on foot and by boat and by horse. The entire <laughs> basically boat, well, not only about half, St. Louis, I guess. So they traveled yes. across all the way across the Rockies, all the way to the West Coast and back. Um, and it took them a couple of years. But but the thing to note probably in this situation is that they were heavily reliant upon the native peoples in the areas. They yes. didn't pack up all the things that they needed and walked and, and got they, there. They couldn't have, it would have been impossible. It would have been impossible. There's no way they would have died without the help of native Americans uh, across the country. So they had a community, a network of people that they were reliant upon because you can't just hunt and fish your way. You know, people think about this lone wolf thing like, Oh yeah, I've got my backpack and I could, I could walk the thousand miles back home. Uh, could you, you know what I mean? How much food can you carry? And then what happens when that food runs out? 
how how well i listen i know for a fact listen, i i have gone a long time without eating before i went almost a month without eating really any food at all and i'll tell you what walking across the yard was a exhausting effort um and if you think i'm joking try it like it is it is everything you can do to just get up and stand up without getting dizzy and falling back down again so it's it's the lone wolf thing where you think you can just make it on your own hunt and fish your way across the country I think that there's a very few people, if any, in the world that can do that successfully. Well, and even if they could, chances are extremely high that they're going to run into bands of people who do not have good intentions. Yeah. And, and don't want crossing their property. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. I mean, you don't have the benefit of strength in numbers. So you're by yourself. Mm-hmm. You're in a pretty vulnerable position. Uh, even if you're trying to travel, you know, off the beaten path at night, all those sorts of things. I don't think that that's a, you know, really viable Yeah. Or you step in a pothole and roll your ankle with this giant big pack you've got on. Then okay. what do you do? Yeah. Who's going to help you? Like the, the water hole is uh, another half mile hike <laughs> and then right. you can't walk. You know what I mean? Like just stuff like that. It's just, it's very unrealistic and it's a, it's a, it's a yeah. fictional um illusion that i think a lot of people have um have friends be a good person be the person that you want other people to be um and and you are much more likely to to receive help when needed yeah and be able to generate that network of 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 support yeah Mm -hmm. and hey jace i want to you you've hit on this in the past but i'd like you to just for our viewers sake talk about the mental attitude that goes along with surviving these circumstances. Yeah. 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 That that's uh, yeah, uh, like what I mentioned before, where uh, having a good pair of boots and maybe a change of socks is the most important. Uh, a can do attitude. Like that is, that is a big deal. I will take the, the novice that's never been outside before, but is just happy smiling. Even when the chips are down uh, away before I'll take the expert, that's just pissed off at the world. Uh, I <laughs> much rather survive the post-apocalyptic zombie scenario with uh, with a happy individual than the um, expert pessimist. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Yep. I mean, that's a big, that that's a, you can that, do it if you believe. I can do. It. I can. I can walk the hundred miles home. I can do it if you believe that you can do it. You can. It's yep. it's a it's a fact. It is true. If you believe if you yep. believe you can. You're also correct. Yep. Yeah. yeah, you are what you think. But I'm, I mean, what you hit on there, I've used in hiring practices for years. I mean, I have literally interviewed thousands of people and hired thousands of people over the years. And there have been people that I've interviewed that are preeminent experts in their field, but they brought a whole bunch of bad habits with them. And it just made a lot more sense to hire somebody who was green to teach them our way of doing things. Sure. So, yeah. That aspect's at play as well. Yeah, being around and it, it's exhausting being around someone that's that's like that. It wears you out. It wears. It brings everybody down. You know what I mean? Um, it's and it's a real thing. That group dynamic. That 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 positive energy is contagious, and so is the negative energy. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah, well, I think we've kind of covered all the bases for today. Um, it would take us. We talk about this forever, but yeah, we could, yeah, we could go on. No, Chris, we could go on and on really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's what I was fixing to say is that, you know, to cover every aspect of something like this, I mean, we could write a series of books, we could do a series of videos and still not touch on every potential scenario. 
But at the end of the day, uh, right from the beginning, survival dispatches, you know, mission has been to, you know, spread information, good information so that people are empowered on some level. And, uh, you know, that's what we continue to do to this day. And that's, I think, what draws well, it drew us to survival dispatch and it draws others to survival dispatch is the sharing of knowledge and yeah. self-sufficient, look after yourself, look after your family, all those good things. So um, I think we'll wrap up there uh, for today's episode of survival dispatch news. Uh, we'll be back again next week with another episode. Uh, Jason, Denny, appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us. You bet, folks. Sorry about the roosters in the background. <laughs> hey, wait. When uh, you, the shit hits the fan, you got to have chickens. Uh, I'm gonna yeah, eat for those. sure. Those-